This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, it's producer Sasha jumping in here just to remind you that Superhero does not provide financial advice that considers your personal objectives, financial situation, or particular needs. All investments carry risk, so please consider carefully before investing. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. That's it from me. Enjoy the show. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Ingle Company, a podcast for like-minded people who want to learn to make smart investment decisions. I'm Maddie and as always I'm here with my good friend Sophie. Hey Maddie, we have a good episode lined up for us today but before we start today's episode we'd like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wondery people of the Kulin Nation who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respects to the elders past and present and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for. So, Soph, today we're chatting with Rachel from Superhero, one of the latest fintech brokers to enter the market, offering Australians the lowest cost access to the ASX and now the US stock market as well. Before joining Superhero, Rachel spent just over three years at e-commerce giant eBay. Welcome, Rachel. Thanks, guys. I'm so glad to be here. I've, I've become a big fan of the podcast in the recent weeks. I was I was an Equity Mates fan, and then <laughs> when they announced that you guys were coming on board, I was I was super excited. Come over to the dark side. <laughs> yes, come over to the dark side, indeed. Nice. <laughs> Now, Rachel, how we start every episode is asking our guests a couple of questions so they can get to know you. So firstly, if you have one, what is your morning routine? So my morning routine, normally um, Sydney's in a bit of a lockdown for a couple of weeks at the moment, but in normal times, I wake up about 5.45 in the morning, which took took a while to get there, um, but we got there. So nice. I wake up at 5.45 and then do a hit session. Um, at my gym, which is just down the road um, at 6.10. So that's the first step every morning during the week. Um, And I go and do that with my boyfriend. My boyfriend's brother comes along. We've become really good friends with quite a few people in the gym. So it's a really nice way to get some social interaction in the morning. Um, And then I'll come back, have a shower. I walk into work, also very lucky to live about a 25-minute walk um, from the city. So I will walk to work. That is a perfect It's so good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not too many hills as well, which is nice. Um, and I listen to a podcast. Yeah, because Sydney's so hilly. <laughs> so hilly. Yeah, there are a few stair blocks, but you just got to kind of yeah. suck it up for about 30 <laughs> seconds and then you're done. Nice. <laughs> and Rachel, who or what influenced you to invest? So I grew up with a dad who was quite entrepreneurial um, and kind of dabbled in a lot of things growing up. And he also used to play a game with us called Cashflow. 
um, instead of Monopoly. And it's, <laughs> yeah, it was by the, the guy that did Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and he's quite famous for kind of investing books and the like. And he had this game where instead of buying properties around the board, yeah, you got these different cards and there was different, you know, buying opportunities for property, but also for shares at different prices. Um, so it really taught me, yeah, about borrowing, about market volatility, all at the age of seven. And I didn't really understand what it meant um, at the time. But the goal of the game was to buy your dream. So you got to choose a dream at the end. And some of them were, you know, really nice charity, you know, build a school for, for children. And then some of them were just sail, sail at a yacht, um, the seven wonders of the world. So my brother always chose the yacht one. Um, but <laughs> yeah, when it came to me actually investing, um, I was quite afraid for a while. I didn't really feel like it was a topic I could talk to my girlfriends about. Um, investing in money wasn't really something that we'd ever discussed. Um, and although I learned about it from my family growing up, when it came to actually doing it and using my money to invest, I felt like I was kind of on my own a little bit. Um, and that stopped me for a while and just the fear of, of not knowing. But when the market crashed in, in 2020 and I had some time at home, I, I did some research and I just knew that, you know, the market wasn't going to zero. Some of the companies I knew of that I used every day were actually doing better in the pandemic. Um, and yet their, their stock prices had gone down so much. So for me, that was a very, I guess, physical way of understanding that there was a potential to buy in at that time. Um, so I, I started with a little bit, um, tested it out, bought a, bought a mix of ETFs and a few brands that I kind of knew and loved. Um, obviously having worked in e-commerce, I knew e-commerce brands quite well and you I knew they were doing quite well. So I started with the things that I knew um, and some kind of more diversified options and then just grew from there. And now I'm obsessed and obviously working at a share trading platform. Yeah, I feel like that's a really common story. Like a lot of millennials started investing uh, over COVID and um, definitely can share the story about frustration of not being able to speak to it with your friends. But our last question for the morning is, if you could be a stock or a company, who would you be and why? I'm sure people have said this before, um, but <laughs> I've got to say Canva. Nice. We actually haven't had that one before. Oh, yeah, I mean, they're unlisted. I hope they list one day and I get to invest. But for me, number one, I love their product. Not only is it clean and beautiful, but it really is changing the game in terms of anyone being able to access graphic design and you don't have to be an amazing designer, but you can create things that look really cool. And I've used it um, so many times before and just been amazed at um, what the product can actually do. I love that it's tech enabled, obviously. And so that means that it's also scalable across the entire world. And then I think just the way the company runs, um, I've listened to quite a few podcasts with Melanie Perkins and she's so humble, but yet so driven, like her stories of going to the US and just pitching over and over and over again. It, it's just so inspiring. And she just stuck to it. She believed in herself. She believed in the product. And I also love that she's based her company in Australia. And so there's great opportunities there for talent in Australia to, to gain access to, to a brand that's growing globally. Yeah, I really hope they do IPO. It's such a good company. One of my best friends is actually a graphic designer and she says that Canva is the enemy because people don't need graphic or <laughs> we don't have to use graphic designers anymore. And like, you know, everyday people like Sophie and I can get a Canva account and create a nice Instagram. Absolutely. <laughs> Although like our, our design lead, lead at work, he is so amazing in what he comes up with that I'm just blown out in the water. 
<laughs> like nothing compares. That's what I keep telling my friend. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, but- don't worry, people. We still need you. <laughs> So, Rachel, you are from Superhero. So for those who are sort of reasonably new to the investing space, can you give us a really quick rundown of sort of what Superhero actually is? Yeah. So Superhero is a share trading app. Um, It's available on both your phone app, but also on your desktop or your mobile web. Um, And we offer currently as of recording this podcast, we offer Australian shares. Um, So Australian shares and ETFs, and that's zero brokerage when you buy into an ETF. Um, and $5 brokerage on all other trades for Aussie shares. Um, so I guess we're one of the lowest cost in the market for, for share trading. But what I love most about the product is the app itself um, and the user experience and how easy it is to find what you want to invest in, to follow different stocks, to track your performance. It's really clean. It's simple. Um, I think, you know, the reason why I joined Superhero, why I am a customer is I downloaded the app and I just thought, oh my God, this is exactly what I would have wanted when I first started investing. And so that to me, I already had that love as a customer and then the opportunity, you know, to work on it was, was so exciting, but yeah. So share trading app, um, low cost, I think the user experience speaks for itself. Um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get into this a little bit later, but we are, opening up US share trading very exciting. Ooh. <laughs> um, with no brokerage as well very shortly insider intel <laughs> um, I think by the time this episode comes out we may have even launched it for US trading it'll be zero brokerage and we don't charge any monthly account fees either which I think is a really important feature because you know not just share trading but in a lot of areas you can sometimes see these bills that you didn't know that you had start to pile up so I think having no monthly account fee, only fees when you actually trade or on US when, you know, when you transfer, everything's in real time as well. I think that's a really you know positive part of the platform. Very exciting. Well, today we're going to chat to you a little bit about, you know, a bit of a market update and some of the investing trends, because you probably do have a bit of a, you know, insider scoop on what's happening, considering you are working at a brokerage platform. But in March of 2020, females comprised of just 18% of all online investors in Australia. And we started Your Own Good Company because we felt like this statistic was partly due to the lack of female voices in the space, providing a resource for women like us to learn more about investing. Now, we know that during the pandemic, and especially you mentioned about yourself before, that there was a huge wave of younger investors joining the markets. What can you tell us about the demographics of people that have started investing in the past year? Yeah, so I think there was an ASX study um, in 2020 that spoke about not only those that currently invest, but also those that intended to invest. And I think the data was from 2019. So it was actually before you know, this whole market crash happened and a whole lot of people piled in. But the statistics were really interesting around female investors. And it was actually that 51% of intending investors, so those wanting to invest in the next 12 months, were female. So although, you know, traditional and and historically a lot more investors are male, more and more females are wanting to get into the market. And I also think, you know, from an age perspective – I think historically as well, the roles that females have played in the past, um, probably feeling a little bit like it's not their place to play, I think. And it's starting with young people, I think as well, right? You guys are are young females, you know, as gender roles and the equality discussion 
happens generally, I think that's now feeding into finance. Um, and it's starting with the young, it's starting with the digitally native. Um, they're, they're joining these new platforms. You know, there's, there's a range of different investing platforms out there that are all mobile first, digitally enabled. And so that's starting to, yeah, to impact as well. Um, interestingly, 54% of investors on superhero are under the age of 35 or 35 and under. Yeah. Wow. Um, so we definitely skew younger, um, when it comes to investing and that I believe is because, you know, we are mobile first, um, and the young people, you know, no one has time these (laughs) days to, to jump onto a laptop and, you know, log in, remember passwords. It's all face ID on your phone. So true. It's so simple, isn't it? Deposits in real time, trading in real time, our, even things as simple as, you know, our onboarding flow, uh, which the guys built specifically to make it really, really simple. You know, you can sign up, deposit money and trade within the space of about 15 to 20 minutes, which is just like amazing. And yeah, I think that's what <laughs> that's what young people demand these days. We're not willing to sit around for days well we're so lucky like trading really never has been easier than it is today i actually read some pretty cool research the other day from fidelity which is a portfolio management company and it talked about how they found that they saw a real increase in females um, and women investing during the pandemic because suddenly we were thinking about our finances more than we ever had before. You know, so many people were losing jobs and we needed to really think about, you know, our emergency funds and things like that. And I think that, you know, there's been a lot of really horrible things to come out of the pandemic, but I think that might be a good one in that it's made the, you know, society in general. And, you know, we know that women sort of were taking less ownership over their money historically. So, you know, it's kind of shifted that perspective. And I think it's really sort of inspired people um, and inspired more women to sort of be more conscious of where their money's actually sitting and what it's doing. And hopefully that's going to translate in, you know, the next coming years into those stats with how many women are actually investing. So Rachel, now to some of the more juicy stuff. In your role, you get real-time access to what stocks and ETFs people are buying and selling. So can you tell us what have been the most bought stocks in 2021 so far? Yeah. So the top stock traded on our platform is actually Zip. Um, so an individual company there um, and coming at the top. But then the next four, the Beta Shares Asia Technology Tigers ETF, um, the Vanguard Australian Shares ETF, the ASX 200 ETF, and then the Beta Shares NASDAQ 100 ETF. So we've got Asia Tech and US Tech there. And then Battery Technology, so the ACDC ETF. So I think even that pool of ETFs is really interesting. You've got kind of the core of the Australian share index. You've then got Asia tech and US tech, and then a bit of a thematic coming in there um, with battery technology and kind of a growing trend um, that's been happening there in battery technology and lithium that's been in the media quite a lot recently as well. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I was actually reading a study um, that was done really recently in April and it was saying that a lot of younger investors are uh, investing in growth stocks and that's definitely like the tech area. And I guess, you know, at the moment with low inflation, it's, um, and which we'll get into in a bit, it's a good environment for those kind of stocks. But it is interesting that there's so much tech, people are buying into so much tech because it it's usually considered quite a risky area. But you also mentioned um, that, you know, Zip and Afterpay were in the top stocks uh, so far. So this whole trend of, you know, buy now, pay later, in your opinion, is this sector, you know, overhyped or is it really still growing? 
Yeah. So Afterpay came in at number six on the top 10 list. And look, I am not a financial expert. Um, I can't give financial advice, but, and you'd, I'd obviously, uh, no advice. I'd recommend obviously doing your own research, but it's clear that obviously from our data, there is a lot of interest in these stocks. I think Australia has been a global leader in buy now, pay later. When you look at not only Zip and Afterpay, but how many buy now, pay later companies we've had spring up in Australia and list on the ASX, uh, we definitely are a leader in the space. I think both Afterpay and Zip, not only have they grown so much in Australia, but they're also looking to expand globally. So they've both entered the US market. And I think with PayPal, so PayPal launched their pay in four product recently. And I guess there's two schools of thought there. One is PayPal, big US behemoth. Are they just going to crush everyone? Um, But, you know, also the fact that PayPal is investing in this buy now, pay later space, um, as well as, you know, yeah, the growing trends of declining credit cards. It's clear that customers are looking for new ways to pay, that they like Mm. the buy now, pay later space. And, you know, in every industry, there's multiple players. So I think it's it's a very interesting one, but they've obviously had a lot of interest, um, particularly recently. Well, I think it was just this week that City also announced that they're launching a buy now, pay later sort of product through MasterCard. So that's another interesting one as well. People obviously just sort of, the big, the big banks and things like that are trying to come in and undercut our good old Afterpay and Zip. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So Rachel, sustainable investing has become an, an increasingly popular theme over the last year or so. So I'm interested to know, have you guys noticed sort of a shift towards climate change stocks or ETFs at Superhero? From just my discussions with people, I think ethical investing absolutely is growing. People are thinking about it much more. But I think ethical investing is really hard to determine um, and so therefore hard to see Mm. in data. I think, you know, it's different for everyone because for some people it might be that they want to avoid fossil fuels. For other people it may mean avoiding companies that deal with animal production. For others, it might be using a screen that's for ESG ratings, which is you know environmental, social, and governance. So there's a whole range of different factors uh, that determines what is ethical investing, and that definition is different to everyone. Um, so I think the most important thing when it comes to sustainable investing and investing in general is before you start investing, think about who you are. Think about what your values are, what you are passionate about, what you're not passionate about and what you really don't <laughs> want to invest in. And then once you know that, it actually makes your path, I think, a lot clearer because you're able to say, you know, here is where I, where I do want to go and absolutely where I don't want to go. Um, but I think definitely not only from, a, I guess, an environmental perspective, but also yet yeah, from that social and long-term view, people are thinking about, what companies are investing for the future and making sure that their impact in the future is not going to be negative, um, but going to be positive. Yeah. Bank of America actually just recently did a study and said that, you know, Gen Z, which is these dates I might butcher a little bit, but I think there's something (laughs) between like 1996 and 2016. So I think we just fall on the cusp of Gen Z, but um, that we're going to be, you know, the most disruptive generation ever because we really are caring about these trends. And they saw, you know, some notable shifts, sorry, in companies about, you know, around people wanting to invest in companies that are going to be reducing the consumption of meat or that they're going to be investing in companies that are, um, you know, turning towards electric vehicles instead of using vehicles that use petrol. So it, it is, I think it's a really interesting area. And 
I think the most interesting thing will be where will companies be sitting in, you know, 20, 30, 40 years and how will they be, you know, applying sustainable solutions to their businesses so that consumers are happy to invest in them? Absolutely. And it's, you know, the, the sustainable industry is not just renewable energy. Obviously, that's a big part of it. But there are companies in every single sector that are, yeah, you know, being more sustainable. You can look online um, and see which companies are, you know, hitting hitting the mark when it comes to sustainability. Electric vehicles, like you mentioned, different food companies that that are producing things in more new and sustainable ways. Um, there's a whole breadth of different stocks out there. So one word that we keep hearing at the moment is inflation. And so we are currently in what's sort of considered a low inflationary environment, meaning sort of the prices of goods and services are rising at a pretty slow and steady rate. So can you sort of help us understand this a bit more? Why is this the case at the moment? Yeah, so we actually did a post on our superhero Instagram recently about what is inflation, and it was actually one of the most engaged with posts we'd ever had. Um, and so that kind of told us that, you know, a lot of people do have this question. Um, so yeah, like you said, high inflation or rising inflation is when the prices of everyday goods and services get more expensive. Um, so it means that your money, your $100 might not be able to buy you as much as it used to. So that's when, when inflation is rising, but it hasn't been rising. So it means the prices of your everyday goods and services have been staying, you know, reasonably the same. Um, so we're in a low inflation environment at the moment. I know probably a lot of people are seeing there's a different media article almost every day that, <laughs> oh, you know, interest rates are going to rise now. I, you know, personally, I try just to <laughs> stick to my own, in my own world and not worry too much about it. Um, whether it's inflation or property prices, I think there's a lot of media hype out there and it can get quite depressing almost when, when you read too much about it. But especially the property market. <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, lower inflation is associated with lower interest rates um, and increased spending. So what it means is that borrowing money is cheap. That's kind of the what I like to think of it as. So you can see this in the housing market at the moment, obviously. People are taking out mortgages, interest rates are low, which means people can borrow more um, and not have as much interest on those properties. And it also means from a stock market perspective that companies who are focused on growth particularly, and it affects all companies in different ways, but particularly those fo those focused on growth, they can borrow money more efficiently to be able to fund their growth and increase their revenue. And as well, because customers are spending more money, um, it means that there, there's a revenue, there can be a revenue increase there as well. So yeah, it's often, and again, past performance and future performance are different <laughs> you can the stock market really no one can pick it right otherwise we'd all be multimillionaires. Uh, but the general trend is that growth stocks tend to do well in in low inflation environments yeah and i guess then on the flip side because there has been so much commentary around like is inflation coming? When's it coming? It's going to happen soon. You know, there is so much fear at the moment that that's going to kick in. And that, so for all that, I guess the reasons that are on the flip side of what you just said, that could be bad for our investments because, you know, it increases borrowing costs, it increases input costs. So companies have to pay more for their materials and their labours. So for markets, it kind of reduces the expectation of earnings growth and it puts downward pressure on stock prices. So I guess if we did want to position our portfolios to maybe be protected from inflation, what are some of the industries or sectors that tend to do better in an inflationary environment? 
Yeah, so I think, again, no one can predict what will happen, when it will happen, how big the change will be. Um, but when you think about those industries that people are always going to need, regardless um, regardless of the climate, I guess, or the, or the market situation, things like consumer staples, people still need food, they still need clothes, the prices of these tend to go up during higher inflammatory environments. Healthcare is another one where people are always going to need healthcare. We know Australia has an aging population, but I think what that leads to as well is just taking more of a long-term view, right? There are going to be times when interest rates go up. There are going to be times when interest rates go down. Um, And so it's taking that more long-term view about not what is the market going to do even in in one or three years, but what are the trends um, that we're seeing that are going to be around for 10, 20, 30 years that you know, regardless of the ups and the downs and stock markets are volatile. You know, you can look at your portfolio one day and I think a general note on investing is that I I found the biggest thing I had to get used to was just being comfortable with a little bit of volatility. Um, And someone had said to me, you know, property prices, they go up and down every day, but you don't see that volatility, right? Because you might buy a house and then you hold it for, 10, 20 years. Um, So you don't see the ups and downs in the market as much as an individual holding that asset. Whereas with stocks, you can see those movements. So it can be a little bit anxiety inducing for some people. But I think once you get comfortable with that volatility and you know what your goals are and how long you're you're planning to hold those stocks for, um, you can rest easy a little bit. Um, And I think that's important, particularly when we're talking about the ups and downs not only in the stock market, but when it comes to interest rates as well. Well, I think you've summarised our motto perfectly. You buy and you hold it for the long term (laughs) and you ignore the volatility. (laughs) And that's just the way it goes. (laughs) We are going to take a quick ad break for our sponsors and we will be right back to keep speaking with Rachel. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So, Rachel, you mentioned before something pretty exciting that Superhero is jumping into the US share market so people can trade in the US. And we have spoken a lot on this podcast about diversification and investing internationally. So that's super exciting. Um, What are the main benefits of investing internationally? Yeah, I, I was thinking about this question and I'd say three things. I think firstly, um, and probably the one that's the most obvious is just the types of companies that are available in the US market. Um, When you think of some of the brands like Nike, Apple, Amazon, Tesla, 
Facebook, these huge global giants, um, particularly in the tech space, but across across all Disney, um, all the brands that are just yeah global global behemoths are listed in the US and not only US companies, but interestingly also a lot of Asian companies um, and and world worldwide. Um, some of the big South American giants are also listed in the US. So you can get exposure not only to US companies, but across the board, really big global companies like Alibaba, for example, as well through the US market. So the first point would be just the brands that people know and love um, are, are over in the US. Obviously, because of that, the size of the US market and the size of the investment pool is just so big there as well. Um, they've actually got some really interesting IPOs too. When you think about the likes of Airbnb, like Oatly, these brands that are really disrupting um, traditional industries, it's a, it's a pretty exciting market and it can be. Um, we've had some pretty interesting Australian IPOs this year, the likes of Airtasker, Mad Paws was an interesting one. Booktopia recently, but I think yeah, the US just is really it can be where it's at um, for a lot of for a lot of brands, um, and then the size obviously, and then you spoke about diversification and getting access to a different market geographically, a different currency um, is also something that a lot of people are interested in um, because we know currency markets it's it's a whole other world, but um, <laughs> diversifying yeah. that way and getting access to a different currency can provide diversification as well. Yeah, well, you know, Australian share market only makes up 2% of global markets. So if you actually think about that sort of and your portfolio, you don't want to put your entire portfolio into just 2% of the stock market. Like, that's a crazy thought. You're missing out on 98% of other opportunities. So, you know, I think being able to think global and have access um, through your platform to global stocks is, is a huge benefit. But I am wondering, what are some of the things that you would say we need to consider when we're thinking about investing globally? Maybe some of the key risks or, yeah, just general considerations to sort of take on board. Yeah, I think the biggest thing would be just understanding the market and the brands themselves. Um, so number one, it's understanding the product. And because we do use a lot of these brands, um, you can kind of see them every day and you use them every day. You know how much you, your friends love them. So, I mean, for me, when it comes to international investing, I like to stick to the, thing, to the things that I know, whether that's in the Australian market or the international market. So it's understanding how the company works, how they make their money. Um, but when it comes to international investing too, there are things like that you need a tax form completed. And I think a great thing about Superhero, I think a number of other platforms also do this, but all you need to do is answer a couple of questions um, and we complete that tax form for you for no extra cost. So um, yeah, I think most platforms now have, have been set up to really help you through that process and to make it as seamless and streamlined as possible. Um, but then, you know, when you are transferring money into a different currency, so for example, on Superhero, you deposit your money in Australian dollars. If you then want to trade US stocks, you transfer that into US dollars. Um, and there's a, there's a low fee for doing that um, on any platform. But you've got to understand, obviously, that one Australian dollar doesn't buy one US dollar. Um, so, it's, <laughs> again, just being comfortable with that and understanding that um, there are differences in the way that, that the currency in the market work. But yeah, I'd say similar to the Australian market, do your research, understand how the company makes money and what you're investing in. And there's a number of ETFs in the US as, as well as Australia if, if you do want more of a diversified option. 
with more risk, there always comes a little bit more reward. Potential for reward. Always, sometimes. (laughs) Potential for reward. (laughs) So international investing might lead you to a little bit more reward, potentially. (laughs) Now, Rachel, we always close out uh, the same way. And that question is, what piece of advice would you have someone for starting out on their investment journey? Sure. My best advice would be just to start small. One of the great things about Superhero is that we have a $100 minimum investment. A lot of the other actual trading platforms, I know micro investing, you can get in for for a lower amount than that, but a lot of share trading platforms are often around the $500 mark. um, Whereas we made it $100 because we know that for a lot of people, $500 is a lot of money. Um, And not everyone just has that lying around to, especially when you're doing something for the first time. Whereas for me, $100, I would spend that, you know, on a night out or on a gift for someone or on a dress. So absolutely, I should start with at least $100 um, to really start, like we spoke about at the start, getting my finances in order, thinking about it and setting aside money and starting to build towards it is great. But for me personally, I found that I wasn't, as ready to learn until I actually had money in the stock market. And then as soon as I'd made my first investment and actually had invested interest in it, that first hundred dollars, then I was so interested in finding out more, you know, even if it's an ETF, you go, Oh, you know, what are the stocks in this ETF? How is it made up? What's the performance (laughs) been like? And all of a sudden you find yourself naturally learning more about it because you're an owner and you have an, you have a vested interest. Um, And so, yeah, I think give it a go, start small um, and then you can build over time. And that's another thing that people often say is that time in the market is better than timing the market, right? So if you just start small and are are able to regularly, consistently invest small amounts, um, you can really yeah start to build from there as opposed to trying to pick the one point that you're going to get the best deal of your life um, in the market because it's probably never going to happen. And particularly as retail investors um, investing small amounts of money compared to compared to the big guys, you know, we're not at an advantage when it comes to, to knowing exactly what's going to happen in the market. So you've just got to, got to start somewhere and be consistent, I think. I think that's great advice. And Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today. We are so happy to have had you on and to be able to get some inside intel of what's going on at Superhero and the new exciting developments. And of course, you know, the most traded stocks and things like that. I think that's super helpful to sort of, you know, know what everyone else is doing. Because sometimes when you are investing, it does feel like you can be a little bit on your own. And that's what your own good company is trying to do is sort of create that community and that conversation so we can all be more aware of what's going on around us. But Rachel, if someone wants to find out more about you or find out more about Superhero, is there anything you want to plug or anywhere in particular that they should go? I would say go to our website. So www.superhero.com.au or download the app. And I'd also like to say our Instagram. It's pretty good. Probably (laughs) over the last two months. Over the last two months, we've started doing daily market updates on Instagram. So we'll tell you what the markets did, what the biggest movers were, um, what's going on in Australia and also the US and some of the biggest news headlines that may, have, may be affecting the market. So it's a great place to get your daily daily news update when you're walking to work, when you're on the train, um, when you're in the gym, 
so yeah, definitely check out the Instagram as well. But our website is pretty easy to understand. I love that about our name. People are sometimes confused that we're a share trading platform, but I love that it's so easy to understand. So you just go, we're superhero, you know? Yeah, when you Google it, it's like comes up with superheroes. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know it is a bit hard. But <laughs> well, thank you so much, Rachel. It's been great. Thanks for having me, guys. You're in good company is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of You're In Good Company are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Your In Good Company acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people together. 